You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Great to see you all. What a wonderful morning so far. Just love um, seeing our kids here and dedicating children. It's just uh, such a joy. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time or online, especially a warm welcome to you. Um, we're in the middle of a series looking at uh, emotional health. And really, our prayer is today is that you will just be able to grab hold of something that will be helpful uh, in your life and in your journey um, regarding all things emotions. Um, we titled it today, Eagles and Aeroplanes, and, and the reason for that will come clear uh, later on. But I'm so pleased to hear wonderful reports of uh, this series, Helping People Practically. And uh, I, I got contacted this week, actually, from a guy, hopefully he's watching now, um, all the way from Japan, who used to be with us many, many years ago, uh, has been watching us on the live stream, and has been really helped by this series. So that's just amazing. It's why we do all things online and uh, with our live stream. Uh, I know it's helping many, many people. You know, I think um, one of the rooms we should have in our church, uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, the vision behind our church is that we're to be a home. And I, th- I think one of the rooms in that home should be uh, a changing room. Uh, we should always give space for people to, uh, not to be stigmatized in any way, but to go on the journey and the process of what it means to uh, become like Jesus and to change in our lives. And for many of us, it's a long, long, long journey. It takes years often to change habits of a lifetime, maybe some stuff from our childhood. Um, and so we've got to have a lot of grace for one another. It's really important we have grace for one another, not be pointing fingers or to judge people. You know, in, in a series like this, I'm so thrilled that people can maybe for the first time open up about some things that have been bothering them for years and they've been struggling with. And I think uh, we need to have grace for one another as we allow people to be in that room of changing and journeying and processing uh, whatever they need to. And I think also in this series, uh, it's great to be reading around this whole area and subject. And we could have recommended many, many books to you, but I want to give you my top three. Okay, and I've been told they're available to buy in our bookstore and they're cheaper than Amazon. So, uh, one is, uh, and this was really helpful. Uh, I talked a little bit last week, but more you can hear on our, on our podcast, Spotify, or whatever, uh, online um, about my and Joni's journey with emotional health. And, I took some time out, three months sabbatical for, it was like a recovery sabbatical for for burnout, and so I tell some of my journey, and a lot of lessons I'm sharing with you as a church came out of really uh, some of those difficult places, and I found um, these these books particularly helpful. So this is called Out of the Cave by a guy called Chris Hodges. It's one of those books where as you're reading the book, the book's reading you. And it's kind of like, wow, someone else has gone through this stuff. And they're putting language to how you feel. And that's really, really comforting and helpful when you're journeying because sometimes your emotions and your feelings are just everywhere. And so for someone to ground those feelings 
in a perspective, in a journey, in some truth, I think is really, really helpful. So I really encourage that. Another one is called Managing Leadership Anxiety. I quoted from this guy, Steve Cuss, a couple of times uh, last week. Really recommend uh, that. And then um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, this guy, Peter Cesaro, has done a number of wonderful books. Uh, and so um, I encourage you to kind of get a hold of these. If uh, finances is an issue, but you'd really like one of these books, come and talk to me. Um, that's everybody now. We'll come and <laughs> that's by hundreds of books. Um, so I hope that helps you. Um, this morning's kind of foundational scripture is from Isaiah 40. I'd like to read from Isaiah chapter 14. It says this towards the end of the chapter. Starting verse 28. Do you not No, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond searching out. He gives power to the faint, increases the strength of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In the Old Testament, the Israelites who first received this promise were worn out from years of hardship. They'd been in decades of exile in Babylon and their perspective had been darkened by hardship and by primarily despairing thoughts. They were in a very difficult place and these verses I think are a really beautiful portrait of what emotional ill health looks like and also what emotional health can look like. Um, Do you not know, it starts, have you not heard? I know in my season where I was struggling emotionally, I was questioning. I was questioning myself, I was questioning my call, I was questioning everything around me, what was true. I was questioning God a lot of the time. There's a sense where you feel disorientated. There's a sense uh, of, of, of hopelessness. Um, what you thought was so sure and so secure doesn't feel that steady and secure and sure anymore. A belief in a good God starts to wane. And interestingly, I said uh, last Sunday evening that in hindsight, when I look back at my story, is that what's so, so fascinating is that I would say about 90% of what I was believing in those difficult moments were not true. I now know were not true, but I definitely thought they were the absolute truth based on my emotions and my feelings. And we talked last week about the life of Elijah. And Elijah, in his moment where he ended up in a cave, he felt emotionally like a failure, therefore he assumed himself as a failure. Just because he felt a failure, he assumed therefore that he was one. And I love the language in this text, you know, there's there's a sense of feeling faint, you feel weak, there's an instability, a, a lack of focus in your life, a lack of purpose, get up and go, you know, often days where you just want to stay in bed and sleep the time away. You kind of think one more thing, one more thing will make me implode. It's like you're on the edge waiting for the next bad thing to happen to you. Essentially, it is wrought with a weariness and a tiredness in your life. But opposed to that, you see in this 
portrait the truth of God who is, a clarity of who God is. You see there's a power that comes to you. There's a a strength. There's a dependence. There's a waiting upon the Lord. And because you do those things, you begin to not only walk, but you run. There's an innate sense of passion and renewed energy and purpose comes in your life. Yeah, do you know what? Things don't look so bad after all. There's an internal self-starter button as you get up in the morning and believe you're partnering with God to change the world. I want to focus on that one line there. If you take nothing away from this today, focus on this one line. They will mount up on wings like eagles. I think it's a beautiful picture of what it means to be emotionally healthy and vibrant. You're like an eagle. And I think one of the best analogies of being emotionally overwhelmed might be the opposite, where you feel earthbound. It's as though your wings have been clipped. You know, like a bird is supposed to fly, but you can't do it. You're earthbound. Your wings have been clipped. There's a, a, a sense where you need healing. There's ill health internally in your mind and in your emotions, and therefore maybe playing out physically in your body. You're struggling to do what you are called to do. And I think it's helpful this moment just to kind of understand um, who's, who's into birds. I mean, my, my parents have a holiday cottage in Bempton. Anyone been to the bird sanctuary in Bempton? Three of you, okay. And uh, so I, I've really got into birds and um, been studying a little bit about the whole idea of an eagle. I think it's helpful to look at some of the underlying characteristics of an eagle and why it's been put in this particular passage. Eagles are born with large, uh, heavy wings. However, unlike other birds who flap their wings in order to stay in the air, eagles stretch out their wings and hold them still for the purpose of soaring. And in order to become airborne, this is really interesting, an eagle waits for large gusts of winds called wind thermals, and so sometimes they'll, they'll wait and for days to catch one of these gusts of winds and it acts as a wind thermal when they can be carried. And storms, this is what's interesting, storms are excellent wind thermals. So actually an eagle waits and seeks out storms before they can fly and soar. So they don't avoid storms. They don't avoid difficult weather. And they know by enduring that temporary atmospheric adversity, it will be projected to clear, peaceful, beautiful skies above. And if an eagle flaps its wings energetically, um, unnecessarily during flight, that excessive use of energy actually causes them to often die. So I think it is a really stunning example of emotional health and how we want to be in that emotional health actually doesn't have much to do with the circumstance. It actually, we often project our emotions is that this is an external job, that this has got something to do with my circumstance or situation, but actually happiness 
is an inside job. Emotional well-being is an inside job. And it's got nothing to do with the circumstance. The problem is often not the problem, but the perspective we have on the problem. I've met many people in pastoral ministry who have exactly the same problem, and yet two different responses and reactions to that same problem. And so I think it's a stunning example of how emotional health isn't the absence of difficult circumstances and its emphasis, this is really key, is on not overworking in order to fly. How many of you have tried more, worked harder, flapped your wings more in order to be emotionally healthy? I know that's often been my instant default Reaction is I'm struggling, so what, what can I do? What 10 things can I do? And Christians are notoriously bad at it. Let's just add more works after more works and more burden or more burden on your already tired soul and let's see if we can work our way out of this problem. And to the church in Galatia, you know, Paul addresses this, you know, who hath bewitched you, foolish Galatians? That which you received at the beginning by the Spirit, you are now trying to do by the law. Not an understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of grace as the foundation for our lives, but let's just try and do so many more things in order to stay sane in our lives. And so I wonder how many of us this morning could say, do you know what? I'm not feeling emotionally that healthy right now, but... I'm actually just continuously flapping my wings, trying to avoid and numb often the pain that we feel internally. And it got me thinking actually about uh, how did I end up being in my cave? How, how did my wings get clipped? And I just wanna just give you a, a bunch of headlines really of how I got my wings clipped in my journey. Uh, the first thing was life imbalances. And again, trying to flap my wings, trying to bring balance to my life, but life imbalances um, brought me to a place of instability emotionally. The other thing was comparing myself with others. Theodore Roosevelt said, this comparison is the thief of joy. And it definitely is. And uh, I alluded to this last week with social media and the Insta life is feeding and fueling um, comparison. That life, that person's life, their world looks fantastic. It looks perfect. If only I had that life, I would feel emotionally a lot better and happy. It's a complete facade. It's a lie, but millions, billions of pounds of advertising spent globally feeding this lie of consumerism. That If only you had this product or this thing or this relationship or this status, you would feel so much better. And none of it is true. I know so many single people wish they were married. <laughs> and a lot of marrieds wish they were single. <laughs> but that's for another sermon series. And when you're comparing, you know, one of the uh, light bulb moments that happened to me was, and it sounds so simple, was just this idea, John, you are not like anyone else. You are you, you are unique. You're not gonna lead like anyone else. You're not gonna run a church like anyone else. You just need to be you and it's okay. It's absolutely okay for you to be you. 
And you guys need to hear that. A big thing for me was ruminating and self-talk. How many of you have thousands of stories going on in your head that often isn't grounded in truth and reality? Brian Tracy said this, 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. And uh, my therapist uh, gave me a really neat trick that I want to give to you uh, as a freebie. And it was this idea that when you have self-talk and and negative thoughts and you're ruminating and you can't seem to escape it from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, is to actually to jot that down in a journal, into a book. And once you've done that, is to close the book and to put the book away. And actually, and I I didn't know this, is your brain... um, what that's doing is, is your brain picks up messages by things you do in the natural, in the physical. It's actually sending a message to your brain about a certain thing. And so when you do that, you're able to park it. And I actually thought by self-talk and ruminating, by chewing over things over and over, is I'm, I'm actually working this thing out. Or um, you feel guilty if you're not thinking about it. But actually, it's doing you no good. It's doing, uh, maybe the situation is probably not changing it, it's not changing the other person's behavior, whatever difficulty you may find yourself in. And so sending your brain a message that you do not have to think about that issue again, that you've written, maybe you've prayed about it and you've processed it. And maybe you'll say, look, I'll pick that up again in my journal, in my book in a couple of weeks' time. But not tonight and not tomorrow. And it's parked there. The other thing I discovered in my cave is uh, often our abilities to process pain is done in an unhealthy way, our inability to process in a healthy way. And that's usually for me, I'm an internal process, even though I'm an extrovert, I'm actually an internal process because I don't want to burden someone else. I think it's the default posture of someone who is a pastor is that, hey, people have got enough of their worries, they don't need to hear yours. And so um, you've got to find healthy places and spaces and people to process externally and voice the concerns in your heart. Because again, that fuels and feeds into self-talk and ruminating. And then linked to that is isolation and loneliness. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was actually solitude. And so I think one of the things we need to think about is is my emotional health right now causing me to be in a place of isolation? One of the greatest lies is this. You are the only one suffering with this. That's why in the whole, uh, this, this age that we live in, which is a big, big focus, and rightly so, on helping people with mental ill health, is they encourage you to talk to someone. Because that breaks the lie that you are on your own with this. And it's so, I mean, it's just amazing. You can read in a book, you can, uh, as you can find in someone, and for me, other pastors and, and people, I just thought, well, you, you've probably never felt this way. And they've got a long, long list of feeling those emotions and the reasons why. And that is so helpful to know that. And then finally, spiritual warfare. Let's not uh, ignore the fact that a lot of these things in the Christian life is because of a spiritual warfare. So for many of us this morning, it may be best described as grief. 
is causing you to be in a cave or to be earthbound, a loss of purpose, deep disconnection, deep disappointment. It could be so many things. So now I want to go from an eagle to a aeroplane. Because I was at the Yorkshire Air Museum in Elvington. Anyone been there? I was there recently with my dad having a day out and um, I was intrigued and often when I go out to, to anywhere really, I'm always thinking, can I use this in a sermon? <laughs> it's a bit sad really. Um, and I saw, and I saw a, a picture of a, how does an airplane fly? And there were four things, lift, weight, thrust, and drag. I thought that's a really good analogy for emotional well-being. And so I just want to give us really practical insights and wisdom into keys for emotional well-being based on an aeroplane. So if you want to soar, if you want to fly emotionally, here are some things that I think will help you. First of all, drag, the gift of limits. The gift of limits. Um, Last week I talked about emotions are signals. They're communicating something to you. And therefore you've got to look at the why and look below the surface. But actually, alongside that, emotions are just data. And we saw this with Jesus in Gethsemane. And it's a great example, a model of this. Just because you feel something does not mean you have to do something with it. Just because you feel an emotion does not mean you have to do something with it. We have all, and I definitely have done this over my life, interpreted emotions and feelings as an obligation or as a directive to do something. When so often, the majority of time, it's not. You need to realize that when you experience and feel an emotion, that actually emotions are optional in terms of how you process those and how you act on those, if anything. So I believe that actually a lot of our emotional bandwidth, which is making us exhausted, is spent on acting on emotions, which we shouldn't, because we don't realize they're just data or signals. We give them too much power, far too much power. How many of you have felt an emotion and then the next day have felt completely different? Or even the 10 second rule. And you know, uh, we have this thing, as um, Lee's, you know, if you get an email that's not a pleasant email, you certainly do not reply or respond to it straight away. In fact, it may take some, a few days to respond to it and then that first draft you probably need to rip up and then start again. You might put yourself in the category of a, a people pleaser. Therefore, if someone texts you, you have to respond. Does anybody relate to that? I'm like that. My wife isn't. So if you haven't heard from my wife in months, <laughs> you know why. But often I've had to go on a journey that certainly is a, with that pastoral heart. You know, if someone messages you or texts you, you, you want to help. Or you feel angry about something, so you send that message or you write that email. Or we argue with our spouses because we have attached 
unhealthily meaning and significance to that emotion. So there are emotions flying around and we've attached significance and meaning to that emotion which then it just snowballs into more issues rather than recognizing that is just an emotion right now. You do not need to attach meaning and significance to that. I think we need to embrace the gift of limits because if we do not embrace the gift of limits emotionally, we will enter into a space where it is into our emotional margin, which means that when crisis hits, we do not have enough emotional energy or bandwidth to deal with that crisis. And this is something I found really helpful, and Steve Nicholson at our recent national conference talked about this. I encourage you to watch it online. Um, I think it was in one of the seminars. He, he talked about living your life at a 70 or 80% capacity, particularly as leaders because you're dealing with crisis a lot of the time. And so if, you, if you're spinning all the plates and working at 90 to 100% of your time, when a massive crisis happens, you do not have the bandwidth to deal with that. So actually, all evens out in the end. When you're hopefully 80 or 90 and you're about to meet Jesus, it will all even itself out in the end. So you need to give yourself some space and grace and margin in order to focus on bigger crises when they come. We've got to remember that we are human beings, not human doings. Even God needed a Sabbath. We're not superhuman. And people, particularly people of faith, often like to think they're superhuman. But actually we have limitations. And so don't, don't live life at your limits, emotionally or mentally or financially. And just because you feel something, that does not mean you have to act. It brings an emotional exhaustion going beyond your capacity. The second thing, lift, lift. And I was thinking about relationships. Because it's so true, isn't it, that the people that we do life with and hang out with and choose in our world, whether that's uh, romantic relationships or friendships, is often to do with relationships and boundaries in those relationships. They can lift us up and encourage us or they can bring us to a place of where we end up in a cave or we're earth bound. Relational boundaries are absolutely crucial, crucial. Um, um, emotions shape mood and mood shape temperament and temperament shapes who we are in our personhood and so many and I said this last week about people who say they're spiritually mature assume that they're emotionally mature but they're not they're one of the same thing and so we can claim to be Leaders, we can claim to be a Christian for many, many years. We can claim to do this and to do that. But actually, under the bonnet, there are emotional difficulties. When we're faced with pressure, we act like an eight-year-old rather than a 50-year-old. And we respond inappropriately. And so one of the major keys in emotional health is that you get to choose who you have in your inner world. And, and you know what, I've had to do a lot of, just being absolutely honest with you, in church life, don't we have this uh, assumption that everybody has access to every, everybody because you're a Christian community. 
And that is just not right. It's not healthy. You weren't born for that. Look at Jesus. He just did life with 12. And a number of them were not great company. So they were reducing over the three years, particularly a guy called Judas. And so I think it's really important that we think carefully about who we have and give access to in our inner world. Caroline Leaf said this, you can't change people around you, but you can change people around you. You can't change people around you, but you can change people around you. And so if you're struggling to, if, if you're thinking, if, if only I could change that person, uh, that, you might be there a long, long time. But actually you can change people in your world. So a boundary, relationally, you've got to understand, is primarily for me and it's for you. So in a relationship, a boundary is for me, it's not for the other person. A boundary is where I could both love myself and you without compromising me. And so many people get into emotional exhaustion and um, ill health because they're trying to love others without loving and protecting, guarding their own heart. And so what we're going to do is lead from a place where we can love people without compromising ourselves. So the greatest gift to another, and I say we say this to all potential married couples in the church, your greatest gift to your future spouse is a healthy you. Don't, don't focus on trying to change them. Do you know what? My marriage would be so much better if that my husband would do this and do that and put the bins out when he's supposed to. I mean, God help my wife if that was the case. But actually, it's about focusing on your own well-being, on your own emotional well-being, on being healthy. And it's amazing when you're healthy how much margin and grace you have for the other person. How much forgiveness you have for the other person. And so I think it's really important, church, and this is not, I know, something you may find in a lot of churches up and down the country saying, but I believe we as a church need to say no a lot more to people. We need to say no a lot more. When someone comes to you and says, would you like to be involved in this ministry? A lot of you need to say no, go away. <laughs> Seriously. If, if doing church ministry is causing emotional ill health and causing compromise in the most important relationships, which is your relationship with God, yourself, your family, then it needs to be a no. And a boundary is not a hint. If someone's shouting at you, a hint is, I don't like it when you shout at me. A boundary is, if you do that again, I'm leaving the room. And that's what you need to do. We need to be able to say no to people. We need to give boundaries to people and be a lot clearer with people. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you want to lift to a better level, is that you need to have relational strength. I heard this quote and I loved it. Don't let anyone walk through your mind with their muddy feet. So who is holding up your arms? Who is praying for you? Who's protecting you? Who's partnering you? Who's encouraging you? Who's challenging you on your blind spots that we talked about last week? Is there a team of people in your life where you can truly be yourself? And I believe as you prioritize that, you're able to therefore be a better gift to those who there are problems with, who you may be struggling with. We're not talking about cutting people out, only if that is 
toxic or unhealthy or compromises your safety or health in many ways, but you're able to lean in and serve and forgive other people when your own base of relationships are doing well. Thirdly, thrust, rhythms of dependence. I think in COVID, haven't we, we've focused a lot on external hygiene with our hand washing and various things, but a lot of us don't focus similarly on our internal hygiene, on our inner world. And for me, there's a number of things that um, we shouldn't wait for burnout or for an implosion or exhaustion to happen. We should maintain rhythms that are healthy in our lives so that when difficult circumstances come, we're able to have the margin to process and to deal with them better. And so I know we're in a church, so we instantly say things like, yeah, read your Bible every day, and yeah, pray every day. And yes, all those things are paramount and absolutely key to tending to your internal world. Jesus withdrew. Jesus withdrew and spent time with the Father. He understood the Torah and the Old Testament scriptures. But I was thinking about things that have really helped me in these last few months, which I refuse to compromise on, and that is investing in good relationships, good friendships, eating well, sleeping well. If you need to talk to someone, professional or or not a professional, but someone in the church to do so, to journal, to pray, to have margin, to have fun. For me, it's very important to go to to the gym and to have that habit and to have that routine. So rhythms of dependence which means that, you know what, there's just a flow that's keeping the energy, keeping the vitality alive. And when you do that, you, you, you end up focusing on your emotions rather than your emotions. And what I mean by that is a lot of people try and focus on their emotions. If only I could change this quickly. Stop being so fearful. Stop being so anxious. And what we need to do is focus on our emotions, our rhythms, our structures, our purpose, our routines, our practices. And when you focus on routines, your brain relaxes. And so for many of us, maybe we need to do a bit of a a recce on on our rhythms and our daily habits and practices. What am I doing right now in my life that is conducive to emotional health and purpose and my life's purpose? And what are those things that are taking up precious margin in my life that is actually not the issue. That is why forgiveness is so important. Because you and I do not have time to waste 20, 30, 40 years of our life emotionally invested in holding unforgiveness against somebody. We need to draw that line, trust it to God, and to move on. And then finally, wait, anchored in truth. And I'm not going to talk too much about this, so Josh is going to talk a bit more about this tonight. But the battle for the mind is the precursor to managing your emotions. All emotions are triggered by your mind. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And so what's really crucial is that if you want to feel God's peace, if you don't want to feel anxious all the time, if you want to feel emotionally alive, then the crucial thing is to meditate and to think on things which are healthy and helpful. 
Philippians, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that is a key text when it comes to accessing the peace of God. Think about such things. If all we're doing is focusing our entire minds on junk and social media, some of us, our addictions, maybe pornography, and then, hey, but I want to live differently. I want to be emotionally alive. I want to soar like an eagle, soar like an airplane. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be really, really difficult. And so set your mind on things which are healthy. I think one of the greatest gifts of COVID was when we could do the hour walk. How many of you still maintain that? We haven't because we've gotten busy again. And we're not leading sustainable lives, but... I think just to embrace the beauty of creation, God's gift in creation, and to have a different perspective and to think about these things is really, really healthy. So just let me just conclude and then we're just going to pray and then we're going to have cake. <laughs> Which is really why we're here. Rick Warren, a pastor in the States, one of the biggest churches in America, have sadly lost his son um, to suicide from mental ill health. He said this, if you are burning the candle at both ends, we're not as bright as we think we are. And so I want to encourage you as a bit of homework this week is to think about and ask some questions realistically about some key things in your life. Do you have balance and healthy rhythms in these areas? Do you have healthy balance in your, the area of faith? in marriage, in family, friendships, work, with your computer, with your phone, with ministry, with your attitude, money, creativity, the physical side of life. What are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? Where do you need to draw some boundary lines? What, what conversations may you have to have with somebody to be really honest with them? And so I want to encourage you, first of all, to do a bit of a recce on your life. And then secondly, I think as a church community and indeed in any area of life, I think we have to recognize what helps people and what doesn't help people in terms of what we say to those who are opening up for the first time who are struggling with emotional or mental well-being. And so let me give you some for free things that won't help. Try harder. <laughs> So if you come up for prayer and someone says, just try harder, you know, just, just report them to me. <laughs> or over-spiritualize. Let me just fire off six memory verses and over-spiritualize people's difficulty to minimize it. And with that, to compare it. Oh, but, I mean, because that's the biggest problem, you know, is that sense of shame and guilt that you're struggling when you watch the news and you know... Millions of people have it a lot worse off and yet internally you're dying. So when someone reduces your pain and minimizes it and says, well, look, at least you're not this and at least you're not that. But what will help is a commitment to that person. It's a commitment. It's to accept. It's to connect. It's to encourage. It's to listen. It's to support. And then out of that, to give a new perspective, to give hope. 
So some of my friends, you know, just when I was going through difficulty, just to be able to say, look, we're with you. What can we do practically? I'm right there. I'll, I'll, get, on a, I'll get on a train now. Come and stay with me. What can we do? Let's just do something fun together. Let me just listen. We're right there with you. And then as, as you begin to process, it may be, okay, well, let me give you some, some hope. Let me, let me pray for you. Let me prophesy over you. Let me give you some healthy perspective. Let, how can I help you practically, but also help you emotionally? And I want to say to you uh, as a church community, uh, since Joni and I have, have, have come off our sabbatical, this is something that is an absolute priority to us. It's not rhetoric, but it's something that we have completely changed our rhythms and how we do church ministry. I've completely changed how I do things in the week and the order and the preferences and the priorities and the help that I need. We have a phenomenal team here, phenomenal leaders. And for those who are in a serious pastoral ministry in the life of the church, they meet up with someone once a month who connects with them on their, on their well-being outside of the church, making sure, asking the right questions. They've got a place to offload stuff without having to talk to, to me in a safe and confidential way. And, and so you need to know that we're putting rhythms and structures, and we will continue to do so to help you journey through so you have emotional well-being, so you're not earthbound, you're not in, lost in a cave, but actually you can begin to soar again. And the true gift of that is, is that we can therefore help our community. You can help the people at work. You can help your neighbours. Just this weekend, we were fortunate to minister to a Muslim lady on our street because we had space, we had margin, we had rhythm to practically help someone who was needing it who was struggling. And so, again, the greatest gift to another is a healthy me. So I want to encourage you to think about others when you're trying as well to go on this journey of being emotionally healthy. So why do you stand? We're just going to finish with a prayer. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And to stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.